Okay. Uh, right. Where is my script? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 14 of It's Lit Buzzard. Oh God, I can't even remember the script. Start again. <laughs> this is the worst bit of it. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of It's Lit But Is It Funny, the podcast where we balance the bucket of comedy on top of the door of creativity and wait for literature to walk through. I'm not sure if these intros are making any sense anymore. Anyway, my name is Jonathan Pinnock and I'm the author of the mathematical mystery series of comic thrillers published by Farago Books. My guest today is the author Dan Brotzel, who has somehow managed to get his name on the cover of no less than three books in the last couple of years. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And we'll talk more later about Dan's work, but we're going to begin by looking at the book that he's chosen to discuss, which is Lucy Kellaway's Who Moved My Blackberry? Or should that be Who Moved My Blackberry? TM. <laughs> I, I, could, I could probably guess, but what made you choose this? <laughs> I mean, it's it's very funny. I think it's it's you know it's written in the form of emails, and I'm very interested in kind of hybrid forms and sort of uh, ex slightly experimental ways of structuring things. It was actually written about 2005, so although it still it still feels. I also worked in marketing for about 30 years, and I think if you if you don't know that world, you read this and you think this is just ridiculously trumped up. Um, absurd but if you do know that world a bit it's it's you know it's alarmingly kind of true to life mm. and and I think it's actually it's it's very funny it's beautifully written it's 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 very good at kind of voice you know the way it just uses email to communicate voice but also I think there's actually some quite dark satire in there as well there is yeah <laughs> which you know is but satisfying it's not just an exercise in kind of past it in sort of corporate jargon and pastiche although obviously that's in there as well but I think it's saying some quite interesting things about you know how corporate jargon sort of dehumanizes us or, allow, or allows mm. organizations to do some quite unpleasant things or not feel bad bad about them yes it's true I mean it's not the first email novel is it because the the first one I believe was it Matt Beaumont's E yeah, I mean, I actually, it's funny, I did, I did do a piece about this once, and it was really interesting. There were some very, very early ones. There's a wonderful mm. early one called Blue Company, and it's basically about mm. this, uh, you can still find it in a kind of digital archive, and it's about these people. It, it is an office-based thing, but they, get, they work for some faceless American corporation, and they get seconded to Italy, but by some strange sort of accident of the ether, they get seconded to 14th century Italy. And they're sending back these emails, and it's really very, very funny, and it's, it's brilliantly awesome. done. Um, you know, when when they go to a party of the kind of you know the trendy nights, it's, they crack out this white powder, but it's it's not cocaine; it's salt. You know, which is obviously the <laughs> Renaissance equivalent. Things like that is just brilliantly done, and it's, mm. it deserves more to be better known. But but E is definitely the sort of the breakthrough one, I think, and uh, yeah. and and I think Blackberry is obviously a descendant of E, but but a mm. kind of. I think you know succeeds in its own right. Yeah, I mean, I noticed some <clears throat> excuse me some of the reviews on Amazon were saying, "Oh, this is a ripoff because it's just like ears, as if there's only room for one email novel ever." <clears throat> yes, and, uh, I think I've gotten used to you. There are quite a few epistolary novels. <laughs> They're quite absolutely. I mean, really, it's just a sort of subgenre of the epistolary novel, mm. isn't it? Um, yeah, and I think I think E is very much the world of. I mean, this might feel. Uh, to people who don't not interested in this world, the, the, you know, advertising, marketing, quite different things to, to people who work in that world, I think. Mm. And you know, the, the people in E, they're 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 kind of younger, and they're sort of they fancy themselves to be sort of cutting edge creatives. And I don't know, it's it's um, it, they, they are similar, but but I think what's interesting, you, you know, E uh, E came out in two thousand, and I think BlackBerry came out in two thousand and five, and The Office only came out in kind of two thousand and one. But what's interesting about Blackberry is that the, the main character, Martin Lukes, is actually quite senior. He's a director of this, the UK 
division of this global company. We never find out what they do, incidentally, which I think is quite no, funny. No, <laughs> that, that, that's hilarious, isn't it? Is it AB Global? And we, we've known, yeah. we, but that, the, the funny thing is it kind of doesn't matter because on that no. part of the point is it kind of could be anything because it's still mm. just the same awfulness <laughs> that's going on. And whereas like David Brent is a sort of a middleman, a classic sort of, you know, he's sort of got out from above and below. I mean, Marta Luke's is actually quite a, you know, quite a senior person. Um, mm. And I think it is that thing of, you know, people getting promoted to their level of incompetence. Um, yes. And I think one of the really interesting things about Blackberry is, is that at the end of it, you know, he, he survives. He doesn't. Um, yes. I was going to, I was going to talk, talk about that because that is really quite interesting that, that he does, despite you're sort of expecting him to be taken down and then actually he does survive. And that is exactly how it happens. Well, I think that's how it works. I think you get yeah. to a certain level and you just ke- you get kicked upstairs. You know, he ends up with kind of special projects and um, you've still mm. got lots of budget and, and kudos. And he's got dirt on some of the others, I think. Um, <laughs> and, and, they, and they, you know, then, and I, you know, I've, I've worked in marketing agencies. You see a lot of businesses at close hand and that, that, that is kind of how it works. And I think the more senior you get, the less you actually do. As well. mm. yes. And, you know, you're doing a lot of what they call achieving through others. that's a lovely phrase (laughs) it's an interesting choice of which emails are actually shown isn't it because you see the all staff emails and you see martin luke's emails and you see the ones from pandora his personal (laughs) growth coach to him and that's about it i think yes which creates some really nice gaps for for the reader to fill in Yes, absolutely. Yes, I, I think you sort of need Pandora because she, yeah, um, she gives. So it stops being a big sprawl. She gives you the kind of structure, doesn't she? Because he mm. signed up for the bronze development program. Yeah, because um, I mean, they won't that, sign off the platinum version, will they? Yeah. There's that lovely negotiation at the start about what percentage, because <laughs> <laughs> she asks him to. Uh, to identify what performance levels he's going to achieve and says they will be i'll achieve levels that are five percent better than the very best i can be (laughs) and then she gets back to him and says i your greatest fan sincerely believe you could beat your best by 50 percent by year end what is stopping you strive and thrive (laughs) so he says it's energizing to realize how much you believe me but i wonder if your metrics are a bit high can we compromise and say that i'm going to aim to be 22.5 percent better than the very best i can be i think that's probably scalable yeah, I mean, that's, that's just, that's just, that's just wonderful. Lovely... <laughs> wonderful. And yeah. then he says that it becomes his kind of email sign-off, doesn't it, throughout yes. the, rest, yeah. the rest of the... And that, in a nutshell, is kind of, you know, just the, the whole sort of... The kind of this mixture of ridiculous aspiration and just the sort of crassness of the, the way they're going about it is kind yeah. of... And, of course, the funny thing is, you know, and he's always making up words and he comes up, obviously, comes up with creovation, yeah. which is, you know, there are people who are creative and then there are people who are innovative, but the people who have the headset to push the envelope are creovative. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but, you know, he gets taken on. You know, that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's not like anyone else says to him, you know, you're mad. This is just stupid. Well, not anyone in <laughs> yes. the company anyway. I mean, I think yeah. there's uh, outside, somebody says they won't use the word because it's not a word. But within the company, you know, it gets adopted as one of the big corporate values, doesn't it? And um, mm. And and I think and you know that that's the thing. So he does he does have success on his own terms. You know, to us yeah. he seems ridiculous. But what's interesting is he he sort of does know how to navigate this world he's in. Oh, he does. Yeah, and I mean he he's the one who comes up with the the new name of the company, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> with latest rename A and B, which is A ampersand B to lowercase A dot B global with a umlaut over the. Oh, and a circumflex over the A, like some sort of <laughs> preposterous heavy metal band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or a, yeah, or a sort of um, East, yeah, Eastern European lager. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's it's horribly plausible when you know some of these companies. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you ridiculous things. Like, yeah, you think it would be very dated, but reading it again, I mean, yeah. I, I think it is it is hard to read, reread a comic novel because it's never it's when you first read it you you know it's new it's fresh you don't know the gags and it has that it's never gonna have quite the same impact but I you know I remember mm. buying it for presents for people at the time but you know from my experience a lot of that stuff about people hiding behind kind of buzzwords and jargon and people not you know a lot of the time you know in, in working life not just in marketing I'm sure but we're all just sort of pretending that we know what's going on and we're all you know 
terrified. I remember often thinking like, is this the day I get found out? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> you know, I think, I think, you know, language has a way of, you know, people can hide behind that language. But also it's quite nasty, you know. I mean, it's, they, they talk about sackings as um, offboarding 15 to 20% of our family. Yes. You know, and the process is called Project Uplift. But basically yeah. it's Project Redundancy for the, for the is, people yeah. in effects. Because whilst everyone's sort of rearranging the deck chairs, the, 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 the share, share price is tanking, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and he uh, had very little time for his wife or his children or his mum, and he's fabulously unaware. You know, he's very unself-aware, yes. which is obviously... So he's a great sort of unreliable narrator, as it were. Well, not narrator, but mm. kind of voice. And maybe, maybe that's also one of the great things of not having the other people is that kind of we just infer from the way he responds to them. Yes. If we saw too much of them actually pointing out what he's like, it wouldn't be as funny, I think, because we have this distance between... We, we have this very clear escalating sense of you know uh, what he's really like versus his sort of his his idealized image of himself yeah, it's kind of so almost but not quite sort of show versus tell thing isn't it but, yes yes yeah. absolutely i also love it later on when, when we get to to the portrait of barry malone the the, the big boss in america <laughs> and yeah this this preposterous puff piece that uh, gets done by this this journalist who is actually shagging him at the time yes uh, barry malone priest poet prize fighter <laughs> <laughs> i just love that but it, it's horribly plausible it is and i, th I think at the time because we start off as a column in the ft and she's mm. and and the interesting thing about lucy kelloway she she knows not just offices inside that because you know, yeah. a lot of us know offices uh, but she knows you know the kind of boardroom as well you know she's really quite mm. you know au fait with that world and and i think again that gives it a real edge you know because he, he these people when he fiddles his expenses he's trying to fiddle you know a 25 grand knee <laughs> operation for his mum. Yes. you know it's not just sort of you know beefing up a, a lunch <laughs> and so all the stuff about insider dealing and apparently the f i don't even remember this but at the time at the time the fd ran some very straight news stories about this insider trading of this company ab global because they mm. never admitted that Lucy Kelly was the author of the Martin Luther yeah. column at the time. Mm. And there was people complaining and people were writing in and saying, I've never even heard of this company. It's absolutely awful. <laughs> well, she, she actually gets into the book as well, doesn't she? Because she, she one of the emails at the some time towards the end is actually sent to her, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a sort of Hitchcockian kind of appearance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, going back to Barry Malone again, there's, there's a lovely bit where... Uh, Martin Lukes advises him on, on um, a stage presentation and gives him this idea of striding about the stage shouting, I love this company. And that, that's straight out of that, that's, that Steve Ballmer video, isn't it? Have you seen that one? Where Steve Ballmer from of Microsoft, he, he steps onto the platform and bounces around the stage like some sort of rhinoceros and, and just bawling his, his, his head off. And, and he finally stops and Stands the mic, stands the microphone, says four words. I love this company. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, that's, that's, that's it. it. It's actually yeah. Oh gosh, it's a messianic. I, I remember. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going to get this wrong, but I have a feeling it was somebody like Billy Idol who was got got along to one of the big tech companies, and he sang "It's a nice day for a white wedding," but instead of saying "white wedding," he said "It's a nice day for CRM," which says which stands for <laughs> customer relationship management, which is what, did, what the company did. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> this stuff is all true, and it all happens, you know. And, yeah. um, and I think that's lovely. But but again, going back to Pandora, she gives she lives, you know. And I'm I'm terrible with structure, so I love I love a calendar, you know. It gives you a it gives you a, a natural framework to work against. And so she's like, this month it's all about your blockers, and this month it's all about your, your personal mm. brand or whatever. And so that gives you a kind of sense of moving through the seasons, you know, just as you as he moves through the seasons of his career. And this is my, can I just read my favourite quote yeah, yeah. from Pandora? Think of yourself like a colander. Energy pours in, but pours out again through the holes. We need to find where those holes are and find ways of blocking them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Had you read it before? I had, yes. I think I must have, I think I picked up a copy in a, in a charity shop, probably about... It's probably only about five or six years ago, and I, I enjoyed it then. And I, I enjoyed rereading it, which was was interesting. I, I, I didn't find it 
boring to re read it again. It actually held up, which is uh, mm. which is good. It's a, it's it's, it's well, you kind of race through it, don't you? It's it's yeah. Um, oh yeah, it, it's a, it's a it's a it's a very easy read. <laughs> and he's a bit inability to deal with his chil his children at all. You know, and, he's, yeah. and he starts, he says at one point, he says to his wayward son, I want you to come up with six key behaviors that will help you going forward. <laughs> <laughs> Which is straight from Pandora, of course. Yeah, that's right. Oh, there's, some lo oh, there's a lovely bit here. This is from Pandora. I've sent you a book called You Are What You Eat, which will help you on the bowel issues. It's written by a doctor who's a former coach of mine, Dr. Gillian McKee. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice of uh, the wrong person to, to, to pick. Yeah. Well, as he says that you know, again, but again, it's you know, it's 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 you know, the 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 people do get unjustly rewarded. You know, people do survive, mm. and um, there is a kind of callousness. He because he he sends all the he has this idea of all that when they rebrand, he says, let's send all our old merch to the to the homeless. <laughs> you know, then what could possibly go wrong? And as he says at the time, there's a lot of negative baggage around the term homeless, and there's this just awful tone deaf kind of yeah moral blindness really yes and all of that's there you know and it's not it's not it's not exactly punished but it is exposed you know it is, it is mm. there for us to see you know yeah um, i mean there's there's the glorious bit where they're, they're outsourcing to bangalore and he's introducing this to he's he sets up a meeting to introduce it to the um, to some of the staff and he looks down the list of, of people and says, oh, oh here's someone with an asian name i'll, I'll go and ask them to <laughs> tell us about bangalore and, and of course, there's someone who's, who's British Asian. Actually, the family was from Pakistan originally, but they were born in this country. So I have no idea what's going on, going on in Bangalore. And uh, it, it's just, you could just imagine that happening. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's brilliant because, because what it's actually, what's very clever about it is it's taking a world we all know. And it's a world that's written about quite a lot. You know, there, are, there is quite a lot of these days, a lot of office and workplace humour out there. And that, that, that's a good thing for a writer in the sense that you don't have to sketch in a lot of background because we you know we can all imagine this sort of world quite readily but I think it means you have to be really quite skillful to land you know to cut through that and say mm. something that feels sharp and true and beyond the kind of as I say beyond just something that would just be an exercise in you know corporate bollocks you know sort of bullshit bingo yeah mm. yeah it, it there is i mean there is a narrative arc to it isn't there yes i mean it's it's reading it again i could i'd forgotten how it ended and i was waiting for him you know in this sort of old-fashioned mm. sort of style for him to get this sort of comeuppance and yeah. of course he doesn't you know he gets gets back with his wife he gets a child doesn't he on the way yeah and um, then he gets kicked upstairs to kind of you know special projects it might in the company i one of the companies i worked for special projects was great it was where people went who you kind of still kept a very good salary had a certain kind of kudos but you no longer had to sort of manage lots of people you know or do a lot mm. of the dull stuff so it was, it was a sort of see it was a way of sort of hanging on to people who who didn't quite fit the mold but you know they couldn't they couldn't get rid of they kind of protect their own at that at that level of mm. the admin yeah. adminosphere <laughs> Of course, we haven't mentioned the title, which is obviously a play on the classic Who Moved My Cheese? Yes. <laughs> which I'm staring at a copy of right now. For some reason, I, bought I had no idea why I did that. Well, I mean, there was a moment, <laughs> wasn't there, when you just couldn't move for that book? I mean, it was just yeah, that's right. And because uh, it's from the best-selling co-author of The One Minute Manager, which I've also read. Which, honestly, I was looking at this again. And, and, once, long ago in a land far away, there lived four little characters who ran through a maze looking for cheese to nourish them and make them happy. Two were mice named Sniff and Scurry. Uh, you really... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think, that's, I think that's the great thing about, you know, what, what's, what's, you know, the pride, you know, you, you get to the level of Martin Luke's and you're on a big money, but you, you have to play it straight. You have to act like mm. this really matters. Oh, and yes. you get to a point where, you know, the mask fuses to your face as Updike put it and you actually you just become that person and there's no ironic gap but the it, great it, yeah, comedy like, for us is you know okay so he's on this huge salary but he actually has to live this nonsense yeah. you know it's like the thing about if, if you play with irony as a comedian you end up believing believing it anyway mm. it, it, it is that, that, that thing that uh, he has to play along with it he has to probably believe it you know in the end he really really, really loved Big Brother <laughs> yes yeah and I think we all know that. I mean, I think everybody who's worked for a big corporation, you know, at a certain point you have to go out and you have to sort of play that card. Mm. And yeah, and I think that's that's what comedy can do is it can it can kind of, you know, 
it can remind you of the distance. But, it, you know, there is a theory about satire that it's ultimately quite a conservative thing because it kind of, I don't know, I say, I'm get, say I get angry about the, you know, cronyism in the government, for example, hypothetically, you know, and I read all about it in private eye and then I, I feel like I've, you know, I've got a nice but burst you, of outrage and then I yeah, go off. Yeah, you a bit. <laughs> yeah, and then I go back to Netflix or whatever rather than, I don't know, going out and agitating in the streets for mm. change or whatever. Um, and that was always an accusation that was levelled at satire. And mm. even in this book, you know, there's lots of stuff in there. It's, there's, there's sort of this casual racism, as you said, and sexism and, and all sorts of kind of, you know, that just, you know, there's, it's a kind of a critique of, you know, corporate capitalism, isn't it? But I, I don't know that you come away from it and think like, you know, I mean, maybe comedy, I don't know what, what comedy can do, but it can, it, I suppose it can just shine a light. Mm. And Lucy Calloway is quite an interesting character, isn't she? Because she changed career pretty much completely at almost 60. Yes. Yeah, she's now like a primary school teacher. Yeah, which is, you know, there's hope for everyone, I suppose. If you do <laughs> <laughs> that sort of change, that sort of, that, 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 that. but I, I wonder, I wonder what triggered that. But it was just dealing with so much of this stuff. You, you wonder if it does eventually get to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, she, I, I'm sure she's, I think she's sort of, you know, it's that thing of kind of wanting to give something back. And um, mm. I think she's part time. I think she's got a charity as well. She's got she? some sort of foundational charity thing, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess moving on from one email novel to another one, which is Work in Progress. The untold story of the Crawley Writers Group, as compiled by Peter Writer, by Dan Bronsell, Martin Jenkins and Alex Wolfe. I mean, we, we've got three books to talk about here. And I, I suppose the first question is, which came first, Work in Progress or your uh, other, other books, Hotel du Jack and The Wolf in the Woods? Well, Hotel du Jack is like a sort of compilation story. So some of those mm. I began 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I went through my own kind of, you know, work crisis, I suppose, about going back about five or six years ago. And I managed to get down to a, I had a four day week and I was doing childcare. I had one morning free when I had the uh, you know kids in in uh, hmm. nursery and I just started and, and then I've been trying to write for about 30 years a novel and hmm. never got very far and then suddenly thought why don't you write a short story because it's much shorter <laughs> and got a better yeah. chance of actually finishing it and finally did that and so that's when I so that's probably going back to about sort of 2015 I started writing in earnest and hmm. that's where the bulk probably the bulk of the stories have formed Hotel Du Jack um, came from plus picking went back to things I'd written a long time before and, and dusted some of those down and then around 2016 I joined this writers group which is nothing like the writers group in this book <laughs> it's a I hasten to add and um, there's no thinly disguised other than ourselves I suppose <laughs> portrayals and and you know I, I met Martin and Alex in that group and we kind of became good friends and then I just as a jape really I said you know I, wouldn't it be funny to kind of I originally thought it might be fun to write a short story about somebody who's on this email thread about the writers group. Mm. And then I thought it'd be more funny if they joined it. So that was about 2016. So that was, that took about three years to write. Mm. Um, so so was, they were going along in parallel, basically. Yeah. So what was the, what was the process involved in it in writing working progress? How did you actually arrange it between the three of you? Well, first of all, each of us kind of came up with two or three characters. So each of us mm. ran ran different characters, as it were. Right. And okay. Presented them to the to. The, and there were lots of very important high level kind of pub conferences um, <laughs> that moved this along, and sometimes moved it back. But that so once we established, established the characters, then then we just let them start emailing. So there was it was more about getting a sense of voice, really. I think to start mm. with, and yeah. I always think voice is more important than structure in a way because you can sort of fix yes. structure. Yeah. You know, as long as you've got an idea, but actually voice, you know, the voice, the, the, the voice of a, I mean, not just the voice of the individual characters, but the voice of a work, you know, is, that's got to work. You, you've got to, I think you've got, it's got to work for you as well to be able to finish mm. anything, you know. Mm. And then we just started, literally just started playing with them and, and, and then we set up an email account and they all fired their emails into this account. So we were <laughs> actually writing emails. Yeah. And you know that game consequences where you write a bit mm. and then fold yep. over the paper so it was exactly yep. like that so I would write yeah. an email from Julia saying you know uh, Peter I can't believe you did that thing with the you know chicken leg last night or something mm. and then the person who's running that character would read that and yeah. think oh god what did I do and they'd have to make something <laughs> up and obviously they would then jump drop another character in it and that would 
you know the person the author involved in that would then have to respond to that and mm. so there was a kind of an element of upping the ante yeah. you know and, and there was a lot of fun of kind of yeah dropping each other in it really which was very creative because it gave you a mm. prompt you know because instead of having a blank page you're kind of thinking well you know why did I attack him with a fascinator yeah. last night you know yeah. um, and it's also this sense of we're never at the meetings so you're all you're always you know, you're always sort of trying. You, we've only got the emails to go on to reconstruct yes, what, that, what that, happened that's to each that, meeting. That's the, that's the crucial gap, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then but... and then and then that was so that was it really, and we went on mm. like that and just start enjoying. And then and then we had no sense that it would be so farcical, so kind of silly, because <laughs> I think originally I'd imagined it being much darker. I think we had this original idea that they'd all. We knew they, you know, for it to be a novel, they had to kind of coalesce. There had to be some kind of sort of shared destiny, as it were, at the end, mm. and. I'd, I'd imagine that they might end up on a chat show and all shoot each other or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think I think I think we were talking about this before. But I think this is something about email lends itself to farce. I think because yeah. the great thing about email is you know one of the key things that email gives you as a plot is it is that you can email the wrong person so easily or you can mm. email everybody. And yeah. of course um, you see that in BlackBerry, but you also see it in, in work in progress. You know, there's always yeah, fun to be right. had by. Yeah. Just as in the original epistolary novels, you you. You, you might write an email, uh, write a letter pretending to be from someone else or letters would cross, you know, mm. and that was always a great plot mm. device because you'd, you'd yeah. read them out of order and then you'd, you know, you'd do the wrong thing or whatever. And, and I think email gives you that extra twist that you can, you know, there's a lot of comic potential in kind of, you know, emailing the wrong person or re mm. hitting reply or. I mean, there's, there's a lovely distance you've got also of, of the way people present themselves on email and how they actually are. Hmm. I particularly, I mean, the, Julia, the person who set the, the group up, who's constantly encouraging all the others, saying how wonderful they are on email, obviously hates them all. Yes. <laughs> and is deeply ambitious in quite a yes. dark, steely way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I think what was yeah. quite interesting was that we, we each ran our own characters quite, not jealously, but I mean, I think we all mm. felt, I mean, like Martin, for instance, wrote John. I don't think I could have, or Keith, you know, Alex wrote Keith, who I think is, probably my favorite character in the whole book yeah um, he's invented his own language which is just when you look yes. at it closely it's just english with silly symbols yes. on it and the other thing that's wonderful but I, you know it was it was i think we all had a sense that the sort of sum hopefully the, the whole was greater than the sum of its parts you know we got a much yeah. richer set of characters for the three of us being involved yeah. and i think we did hold things back so for example tom is involved in am, am i allowed to give spoilers or should i oh i don't know uh, let, let me just hint. Put a spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, spoiler alert. So Tom, Tom has a kind of a sort of dark literary, how should we say, bad habit that eventually gets found out, mm. uh, and that's something yeah. I'd planted all the way through the book, but the other two didn't know. Oh, uh, so right. when I put, put together this list of of this a very copious list of misdemeanors, which Peter, another character mm. of mine, eventually produces, they were they were quite taken aback. <laughs> how the thing, but equally Alice, Al, Alex had this wonderful plan for Alice and the sentence, her famous sentence, because she's, um, mm. for people who haven't read the book yet, Alice has been working on the first sentence of her book for about 18 months and just mm. can't get past it, uh, which is, I think, very funny in itself. Yes. Uh, and you think that's just a kind of comic thing and it'll keep coming back. But Alex had this wonderful idea for, it actually becomes a kind of quite a crucial plot point that kind of ties mm. things up quite nicely. Mm. No, they're, they're a wonderful set of characters. So that was the process, really. We kind yeah. of wrote, wrote like that. And then eventually, I think we got to a point where it's like, oh, actually, we've got quite a lot here. And mm. then, we, then we started sort of meeting it more earnest. And, you know, there was a lot. Of, then, then we got into kind of editing and reviewing. And, and it's, it's, it's a bit clunky because there's three of you. So, you know, each of you would go through the thing. And, and I mean, fortunately, we're all very, I think we all have quite a healthy admiration for each other's work, as it were. You know, we, mm. and we're all pretty um, laid back about amendments and tweaks and also you know we'd each we each kind of own characters so it, it in a way we each had our own bit and you know so it didn't it wasn't the sense of anybody infringing on anyone else really mm. um so all all of that uh really helped and i but i think we were we were very lucky that it came together so well we'd started another one we've done a lot more planning this time because i think we all oh, feel right. we got, really got away with it i mean partly because alex <laughs> you know i think when you collaborate you've got to play to your strengths so i'm i'm probably a bit julia like and i'm a bit of a nag you know and a bit of a mm. you know this is great but you know when are we actually going to type this up 
Um, and Martin's kind of sort of dark genius who just comes up with otherworldly ideas. And <laughs> Alex is a kind of amazing plot doctor, you know, so he can see, he can sort of see a whole book in his mind's eye and see where all the lines, the arcs are going and see what's yeah. working, what isn't. And so actually that's quite a happy combination, I think, for a book like this. Yeah. <clears throat> And so you presented it to Unbound. I mean, mm. was it was it was it a finished finished article by then? Yes, yes, it was yeah. finished. And I'd always liked the idea of Unbound, and they have quite a straightforward submission process. And uh, it was called it was originally called Kitten on a Fat Bone. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that title. <coughs> so do I. So do we. <laughs> um, but the, you know, okay, it's, uh, we'll move past that. <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's I mean, but our, our original editor. She she. She pulled the book out of the submission pile. It was in the queue, uh, yeah. simply on the basis of the title. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but later on, it. I mean, Kitten on the Fatberg is is um, one of the characters called Blue, and she's this very gloomy, sort of goth type poet. And um, <clears throat> one of her poems is called Kitten on the Fatberg. Mm. And that's and I think. Th- later, it was felt by the publisher that it was quite difficult to market the book on that basis because that was actually a kind of a passing remark and it didn't give you much sense of what the book was about or um, I, I mean you could go point. back and forward on that but to, to yeah. me the bottom line was well you know that the, the publisher was much happier with the new title and, and you mm. know you you want your publisher to be happy so. yeah absolutely yeah they felt they could they could get behind it and market it more effectively yeah. you know you can't really argue with that <laughs> no. No, I've, come, I've come across a few people who've had stuff done through Unbound and they also it's a, it's a, it's a good experience I'd, yeah I mean obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a slog the crowdfunding element you know yeah I mean I guess there's three of you it's a little bit easier to do is it or is... yeah I think it did help a bit but you know there is a bit of begging involved and I don't think anyone was <laughs> particularly comfortable with that yeah. um, and we had some very some very generous kind of benefactors who helped us through it but it also it's I hadn't kind of it's quite a long time as well you know from giving your pledge mm. to actually getting a finished book could be you know two or three years so that's 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 something you've got to factor in as well yeah. um, but it, you know it's good in the sense that as a model you're not rec- having to work off in advance because you what you've what you're effectively doing yeah. is that the pledges are basically advanced sales mm. so the, the 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 advance if you like you're working it off in you know you're well, it's actually a, like a profit share. So it's, rather it's, than it's paid for, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's pay, it wipes its feet before it's so to speak mm. before it's um before it's produced, and then you mm. go into a kind of uh, on sales after that go into a kind of a profit share with the publisher, which is which is a more generous arrangement than than you know say ten percent of cover price mm. or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I I really enjoyed it. I think it was a. But very entertaining. Really. I mean, especially for anyone who's been in a writers' group, and you know, I, I used to be in a, a really good one back when I lived in St Albans, Ferrellum Writers' Group. And, you know, there's, there's obviously not so extreme as the uh, the characters in, uh, in the Crawling Writers' Group, but everyone has their own different approach to to, to writing. It. They're, they're all slightly unusual characters, anyway. Yes, and I think well, I think Martin and Alex in particular, less than me, because I, I, you know, my the group I'm in now is sort of my first group, but they're veterans of lots of different groups, and mm. that you know they had a lot of war stories, <laughs> um, okay, and it is get... funny. It is a funny setup, you know. Yeah, it, 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 and sometimes you get someone who turns up for a couple of meetings and reads some really really weird stuff, and then just vanishes. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. incredibly intimate. You know, sometimes we get new yeah. people come to the group. And oh, think, it is. Well, I don't really know this person. They've come into a house, and I mean, they could be anybody. But equally, yeah. we could be anybody to them. Yes. You know. <laughs> and we've had people. One one time, we came along. Um, somebody came along that we thought was a really promising novelist, and we were very excited yeah. to have in the group. And for some reason, everybody just by a complete fluke had brought along their weirdest thing they'd ever written <laughs> sort of weirdest darkest stuff and it all got read out and then we never <clears> saw <throat> that writer again <laughs> <laughs> so she's probably busy writing um, a satire about us somewhere <laughs> but I think I think it's also quite interesting about you know some people have said it's you know it, it almost doesn't have to be writers there's a it's quite interesting just about group dynamics you know yes yeah yeah that's right so moving on to your solo works uh I told mm. you Jack short stories which we've touched on 
and also the wolf in the woods. Uh, you found you found an agent for these, and I'm really impressed. You managed to find an agent who was actually cool with short stories and also cool with humour. Yes, yes she's, her her name is Jer, and she's she's based in Ireland, and yeah, she's 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 she just always says her she likes dark things. Yeah. So if I send her something, she's like, mm, it's dark. And that's high <laughs> praise, you know, isn't yeah. it? It's not as dark as some of your other things. <laughs> it's yeah. it's kind of like, could do better. And I, I, think we, I think we have a similar shared, you know, I call myself a kind of funny, sad writer. Partly because I think, you, you know, you know I am in, my writing does tend to come out as sort of comic. But I think if you, if, you know, if you turn, if you go out there and say, I am, you know, I'm funny or I'm trying to be funny, then people immediately like, oh, yeah, or make me laugh, bitch. You know, it's kind of... Yeah. It's a bit of an invitation to sort of be found otherwise. Whereas if you say funny sad, that which you know, I think they kind of are. That's that's perhaps a, a bit more, I suppose, you know, a bit in the kind of flea bag line, that sort of thing. Mm. But I and I did, yeah, she 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 was she sort of took me on on the short stories, but I did have another novel that she right. okay. was very she was very interested in, which we 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 tried to sell first of all. So there was a there was another which is yet to see the light of day, but you okay. know. I mean, I, I really enjoy the short story collection because it, it I, I, I sort of, I, I, I tore through it because I, I, it was, I enjoyed it more than almost any short story collection I've read recently. It just, oh, thank you. The lo lovely variety and, and the, the mixture of humour and, and the, the darkness as well. And also, I, I, I do like the way you, you play with the form. Mm. And I, 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 I'm always a big fan of that, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, well, they, some people call them hermit crab fictions, you know, <laughs> you're kind of taking one structure and fitting something into it. And uh, yeah, I, and again, I think it's sort of, uh, I've always struggled with structure. So it's taking a ready-made structure, which could be anything. It could be, yeah. and ideally something quite banal, like, um, I mean, I wrote one story that was a, a penalty charge notice, you know, or a, <laughs> um, I think there's a dishwasher glossary, isn't there? And um, yeah, a, uh, a grammar lesson and uh, yeah, the active and passive voice one. Yeah, and the neighborhood yeah, forum, you know, and and yeah. and then sometimes <clears throat> you, and then you just, I mean, I'm very in voice and kind of playing with different voices, and and you know, you can come up. What's interesting is you can you know come up with something that's a story that's quite mad or dark or emotional, set in a you know making use of a format that's incredibly banal and dull mm. and flat, yeah. and then you get quite an interesting effect from the contrast between those two sort yeah. of poles. There's a great flash fiction that won a competition a few years back. I don't know if you've read it, uh, Search History. No, I love it already. And, and <laughs> it's basically just a list of search terms. Yeah. And it won the Flashbang Crime Con competition in 2012. Oh, that's so clever. Ian Rowan, who I... Don't know what else he's produced since, but it sort of starts off with internet dating, what to wear on first date, seduction techniques, Italian restaurants, and then goes on towards the end. You're onto plastic sheeting, wood chipper hire, industrial bleach, <laughs> carbon cleaning service. Yeah. It, 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 it's magnificent. It's brilliant. It, it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah, and, and that's and, and and that's what I liked about uh, so many viewers that, that they were taking a, a, a form like that and using it to to, to tell a story. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a, there's a brilliant anthology called Fakes, which is mm. which is a similar sort of an anthology of hybrid forms or hermit crab fictions, whatever you want to call them. Oh right. Um, and there's another one called The Shell Game, which looks at the same thing but in terms mm. of creative nonfiction rather than fiction. And it, yeah, it's great. And I think it, you often get a lot that quite often they deal with grief, you know, because it's almost mm. like the it's the template gives you a distance. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, that's. Yeah, I suppose it's not funny, really, but the, the, the dishwasher story, our special words for things in, in mm. Hotel Du Jack is, is doing that, just that, exactly. Yeah. So that was published by Sandstone Press yes. last year. And also published by Sandstone Press imminently is your novel, The Wolf in the Woods, which uh, I also enjoyed. I, I, it's a it's very strange, <laughs> strange, dark read that you're never quite quite sure where it's going. and, and it, it, it's a, it's very satisfying in the end. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you yeah. said. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so where, where? I mean, where did that sort of come from? Well, it all happened. No. <laughs> um, I mean, so, 
I, 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 I think you've, you've what, what I what I would say about a lot of your short stories and a lot of this, you're, you're very good at, on sort of relationships that are sort of long-term relationships that have their own sort of tensions in them. And, yes. And, and I, I do like the way you portray those. Yeah, well, yeah, I think, well, I mean, it's, I think a lot of, lot of uh, what I write is, you know, you take something that's sort of familiar to you, either because you've experienced it or you you know of it you know from someone mm. that you know and and then and then you kind of riff on it and then other things get folded in from other experience yeah. so there's there's I'm, I'm not very good at sort of inventing completely you know it's like I need something to step off from and in the case of Wolf there was we went on a holiday <laughs> where we stayed in a cottage and the layout of the cottage is very similar to the cottage <laughs> in the book and we just basically there was a big house next door which was owned by the owners of the cottage and they were just incredibly attentive, but just slightly too attentive. Yeah. And so they would be, you know, they'd sort of say, I noticed you went out and you didn't um, use the green umbrella that's provided and things like that. You know, and it was, <laughs> and they were very cute. They were, they were a lovely couple and not remotely like, I must make it very clear, not remotely like a <laughs> couple in the book. But, you know, just because we were staying there for a week, we, we started sort of having, my, um, my partner naive, we started sort of having this joke about kind of, you know, they became these characters in our heads who were yeah. bit, who were sort of trolling <laughs> us and spying on us, and yeah. um, and that's where the kernel of it grew. Really, but I just suddenly thought this is this is quite an interesting idea because it's it's a sort of play on that trope of the sort of couple, you know, lost in the woods. It's almost a bit of yes. Hansel and Gretel, and mm. um, and I'd also read oh, is it Winter Break by Bernard McClaverty or Weekend Break? So, and it's just the story mm. of a couple on a weekend, and it's mm. not really a comedy. It's it's you know, but it's 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 just extraordinary. It's like a whole marriage sort of told through this 48 hours. It's a wonderful book. And I, and I was really interested in that idea that you could have this very concentrated sl- slice of time mm. and, and, and sort of tell the story of a relationship through it as well. Mm. So I had that situation. I thought that's interesting. <clears throat> but then, as usual, it was like, how do I make this into a story? Where are the arcs? You know, where does it, mm. where does it go from there? No, I, th- I think it works really well. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. So I was, I was so pleased that you sent me um, all three of those. And was, oh well, no, it's, it's absolute it. pleasure. <laughs> That's great. So, so where, what's next for for you? Well, I've got with my with Martin and Alex, we're we're working on a sort of follow up. Oh yeah, yeah. I say yeah. follow up is another book which will be about a kind of a very British cult that's like that's only got five like sort of five or six members left. It's a very harmless cult, kind of a. Hmm part Arthurian, part UFO type, sort of a kind of 60s style <laughs> cult. Yeah. And then the, the visionary, the kind of mad visionary that ran, that sort of got it, ran it all. He's, he's, he's passed on mm. and they're just all left sort of arguing about who's the legacy and who's the keeper of the flame and um, <laughs> has everyone paid their, you know, subscription for the magazine and you know, it's all got. So, the, so again, it's a kind of a group, a group set up, but it's going to be slightly different format. It's going to be a kind of more of an oral history. Right. But, but again, it's something that's quite, what's the word, episodic, you know, so it enables us to mm. all chip in different, different bits. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm still writing a lot of short stories. Um, so I'm hoping to put another collection together. And yeah, and also planning something else, which would be a kind of comic nonfiction memoir thing. But uh, wait, yeah, still. I've got there's a proposal out there, shall we say? But uh, mm. I'd be very excited if that if that happens. Yeah, so sort of get the impression you almost make out for lost time with the, the, the stuff that's bursting out. Is that... <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is my yeah. midlife crisis. <laughs> 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 I do. I mean, it's all I ever want to do is write, and mm. it feels like yeah. um, no, you know, I, I, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I gave thirty years of my life to content and marketing and copywriting yeah. and all that, which is great, which is fine, you know. And it's it was I'm just at a point now where I, you know, it's kind of yeah, I guess a few years ago, I sat down and said, you know, what did you, what did you ever actually really want to do rather than what did you end up doing? Mm. Had that moment, I suppose. And um, I don't know, it just, it was, it suddenly unlocked something and I've just been bashing the keyboard ever since, really. <laughs> is that your, is that your sort of experience too? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I sort of started writing seriously again, probably about 2004 five I guess and had my first collection came out in 2012 mm-hmm. and then another one in 2018 I think yeah although I mean 
so, short stories. I haven't I haven't written many for, for for ages. I got sort of tied up with other stuff. But I mean, it, it yeah, it was very much something I'd always wanted to do, and uh, I just never really had the time for it. All with other stuff that was going on. No, well, that's the dream, is it? That's the dream. They say that's yeah. you know, it's it's trying to find yeah. a way to balance balance uh, time, isn't it? It is. It is, and you you try to justify it yourself by saying. You know, I'm going to make some money out of this eventually. Having said that, I do think constraints are quite good for productivity. Oh, I agree. So, you know, when I, when I went yeah. to that pit point where I had two, I had two hours a week to write, and I was incredibly productive in that time. Yeah. You know, well, the the most productive thing I've ever done was there was this website, this this writing group. It's quite an intense one, which I, I was never a member of. Uh, they would occasionally. Well, every year they would open up to outsiders to do this marathon for children in need, and you'd get sponsored to write flash fiction throughout over wow. a, two nights or three nights. And the way it worked was that you would get a series of prompts every hour on the hour. You'd have an hour to write the story. You'd bung it in, and you'd get the next set of prompts. And wow. You just And some of the best stuff I've ever Still, some of the best I've ever written came out of that. Yeah, my my, my, fav- my favourite stories came out of that, and it's still and it, it sort of got published virtually unchanged after that. It gets you past the blank uh, you, page. You, yeah, and it sort of switch, switches off all your inhibitions. You say, right, I, I've I've just got to write. I've got I've got to finish something in an hour, and uh, whatever happens, and sometimes it's complete rubbish. But sometimes it clicks and you find yourself going off into all sorts of directions that you're not being stopped from. Mm. And uh, it's great. No, I think that I think that's brilliant. Mm. I mean, I think because my background sort of journalism and content, you know, I, lo- I like being commissioned. I mean, I want to have mm. freedom, but I like the idea that this, there's someone said I need this or there's some parameter, you know. Yeah. Um, Alex does an interesting thing. He, he writes um, something called Fiction Express, which is sort of historical fiction series that goes into schools. Mm. And at the end of each episode, he gives them three, three or four possible ideas for the way that the next section of the story will go. And, wow. the, and the school kids vote on it. <laughs> he just has to write whatever they decide. <laughs> Oh, it's like one of those uh, make your own adventure stories, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's very you know quite tight deadlines, but he gets wonderful feedback. You know, there are forums, and he's you know he gets gets all sorts of ideas and and kind of um, you know stimulus from yeah. that. Yeah, but I, I can imagine that could work really well. Yeah, but it's funny. I had a yeah. friend who who you know made quite a lot of money from selling a company, and they set off to you know write their novel, mm. and it, it, they suddenly they had they had no structure. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they just haven't managed to do it. Just haven't. Yeah. No, I can, I can imagine. I struggle if I don't have a deadline to meet. Yeah. And I mean, my, my, I was saying my, my first novel, Mrs. Darcy versus the Aliens, <laughs> which was this ridiculous sequel to Pride and Prejudice with Aliens. Uh, I mean, I could go on forever about how that came, came into being. But basically, I ended up. Uh, serializing it on a on its own website yeah and the only because that was the only way I could force myself to write it to a schedule right very clever and yeah. I, I wrote sort of seven or eight hundred words two days two days a week and I got an audience for it and because the audience was there egging me on that actually gave me a reason to continue writing it and also gave it gave me deadlines yeah so um, and that was how it got written that's brilliant i think anything like that you can do like some like you sometimes i sort of contract with people informally say look you know would you be prepared to be a beta reader of this book Mm. i'll get it to you by the end of august or something and then i feel compelled to you know finish it by that time it gives me kind of a fake deadline and i think i think that's really really smart anything you can do as long as you can fool yourself that it's not fake yeah ah this is only a fake that doesn't really matter yeah but it's it's funny because you you know I, I i look back i think oh, actually i've written it seems like i've written quite a lot in the last uh you know, mm. few years but at the time but i'm always anxious i'm not writing enough or i'm yeah I'm, and i'm especially when i'm I, I like you know when i'm i mean the wolf of the woods was 
a great example of you know once I've got an idea I'm up and running and and I got into mm. very early morning writing so I do kind of 5 30 a.m mm. I mean do you do you plan a lot or are you do you just wing it I'm naturally kind of a pantser but I've learned the hard way that you know for a short story you can do it that way you can just start for me anyway mm. yeah you know, if you're doing if you're doing something that's sort of you know 2,000 words or something but if you if it's long but the more short stories I write the more involved they're getting and I find that you need you need to have some sense of structure and for Mm. a novel I find if I don't have an idea some framework some sense of where it's going and so on it just falls over so thank you very much for coming along uh The Wolf in the Woods is coming out it's published by Sandstone Press and it is coming out on September the 2nd that's right. Yes. Watch well, thank you. It. Thank you very much for having me. It's been it's been brilliant. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Okay, this place is intended to be free from adverts, as if everyone anyone would pay to advertise here anyway. But if you've enjoyed <laughs> this episode, please feel free to reward us by buying our books. Dan is on Twitter as Broxel underscore fiction, and his website is at danbroxel.com. I'm on Twitter as John Pinnock, and my website is at jonathanpinnock.com. Dan has also got a special offer uh, for you, which I'll let him explain. Yeah, I've got 15 copies of Work in Progress to give away, the paperback, which I'd love to share with listeners of this podcast. So all you need to do is to subscribe to the podcast, uh, tag us in a tweet and let Jonathan know your postal address and I will, I'll get a copy out to you. If you're interested, you could also sign up for my email newsletter, which is at danbrotzel.com. And do please rate, review and subscribe so that other people find out about all the fascinating stuff here. You'll find this podcast in all the usual places. Next time, I'll be talking to the comedian turned fellow Farage novelist. Farage? Farage? Bloody hell. No, I'll be talking to the comedian turned (laughs) fellow Farago novelist, Ian Moore, about P.G. Woodhouse's aunt son, Gentleman, as well as his own work, including his debut novel, Death and Croissants. See you then. Well, that'll need some editing. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Oh, dear, oh, dear.